Welcome back to Off the Chart. It's season two, y'all. This season, we're watching The L Word, Generation Q, with you, bringing you our unfiltered take on the new series reboot every Monday, because we still can't get enough of those L.A. lesbians. I'm Michelle Turingen, managing producer of Video at Extra, and if I was 16 years old again, I would definitely skip school to listen to hip-hop music and vape with Angie Porter-Kennard. You would. I'm Erica Lenti, senior editor at Extra, and I would probably leave Extra to work on Bette Porter's mayoral campaign. I'm sorry, Rachel. <laughs> So we're jumping into a brand new L Word universe, 10 years since the last episode of the original run aired. That hiatus felt really long. It felt like a decade, right? Erica, what stood out to you the most in this premiere? Yeah, the the big theme seemed to be change, which I guess is fitting for a new show uh, and a completely new era, of course. So we're catching up with some of our old friends. We got Bet, we got Alice, we got Shane, we've got some new folks, uh, but everyone is in some sort of position of flux. Um, Bet, of course, is running for mayor. Alice is glowing up. She's like the fictional Ellen-esque talk show host, um, but she's also a stepmom now. Shane is rich um, and also <laughs> married. <laughs> Question mark. Uh, our newbies, Danny and Sophie, are getting married, uh, but Danny's also rethinking her career with her dad's company and so on and so forth. My prediction everything is going to fall apart for these characters by the season's end. Do well, you feel the same way? I mean, it better. Otherwise, what would we want? <laughs> we want that conflict. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, let's recap. Uh, we have so many more characters to get through this time around. Of course, we have our OG characters, but uh, we have a few newbies. So, Erica, why don't you start us off? Sure. So, we'll start with Danny Nunez, played by Arian Mandy, and Sophie Suarez, played by Rosani Zayas. So we're first introduced to Danny uh, going down on her partner, Sophie, the way I think every series premiere should begin. Um, <laughs> and Danny is kind of like the new power dyke. I think she's sort of a bet apprentice uh, who works for her dad's pharmaceutical company. Uh, Sophie works on Alice's talk show. The pair have been dating for a while. Danny wants to propose. Uh, there's some tension there. But then by the episode's end, these two are officially engaged. Um, but Danny is getting kind of woke all the while. Um, so after meeting with Bet, she starts second guessing her role, given what's happening in L.A. with the opioid crisis. So she quits her daddy's company to work with Bet. I approve of this. Absolutely. We should all work for <laughs> Bet Porter. Um, do we buy Danny's sudden wokeness, though? Like she's never thought of the opioid crisis this entire time she's been working for her dad. <laughs> Um, maybe. I feel like they're setting up this the Nunez family to be quite wealthy and maybe out of touch. So, like, maybe I can buy her not being aware of how problematic her position is. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would have preferred to just watch that arc play out uh, a little bit longer. Like, it just seems like she becomes woke overnight um, after meeting with Bet once, which I know Bet has a lot of power over women, but like, <laughs> yes, she... as we've seen, yes. <laughs> but could, is this realistic? I don't know. Why don't we move on to Sarah Finley, Shell? Sure, absolutely. So uh, Sarah Finley is played by uh, Jacqueline Taboni. Fun fact, she is the sister of Gianna Taboni, who is a news correspondent at Vice. We first see Finley in her underwear holding her clothes as she is sneaking out from a one-night stand. Uh, while on her morning bike commute, she proclaims, Time's up, bitch! to a male passerby before arriving at the apartment complex where Danny and Sophie live. So Finley is there to pick up Sophie because they work together on Alice's talk show, and uh, Finley is a production assistant. Finley's boss, Alice, tasks Finley with helping Shane move into her new place by doing what queer women do best, assemble furniture. <laughs> 
the two get to chatting, and Shane really sees parts of her younger self in Finley, so she offers Finley a room to stay in her house should she ever need it, which I think Shane's going to regret at some point <laughs> Probably. very soon. Now, when we first watched episode one with our entire extra editorial team, uh, the consensus in the room seemed to be that Finley was pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But when I watched it by myself alone, I found her to be more endearing. So, Erica, do you think that Finley is an obnoxious dope or just a lovable goofball? I'm really torn and I didn't feel this way. I rewatched the first episode with my partner and she really liked Finley. She was like, oh, she's so fun. Like she's going to have a tragic backstory for sure. And we're going to fall in love with her. Right. And one of our colleagues was like comparing Finley to Goofy or or, uh, what was (laughs) (laughs) Scooby-Doo. And it was funny at the time. But I I really don't know where I sit. I know that you are a much more empathetic person than the rest of us, though. (laughs) So you you like Finley. I feel like when I watch with other people, I'm influenced, like I'm very easily influenced by the room. So I, I really wanted to make sure I watched it again alone because, yeah, like I can really relate to Finley. We'll just have to see how she plays out. Yeah, I'm not ready to write her off yet. Um, how about Micah? So uh, Michael Lee, played by Leo Sheng, is a trans man. He lives in the same apartment complex as Danny and Sophie, and he has a crush on the new property manager of their building, Jose Garcia, played by Freddie Miaras. Micah offers to help Jose move some furniture. There seems to be a lot of furniture happening here. Um, (laughs) And he awkwardly breaks a window before asking Jose out on a date. And Jose says yes, which is very cute. Now, it's a pretty slow start for Micah in this first episode, but um, how do we think he stacks up against the original L Words trans man character, Max Sweeney? Uh, I think he's already doing better, uh, considering he is not just deeply depressed and, you know, stuck around a bunch of people who 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 don't reflect his identity and who he is. Yes. Um, You know, we've said this a million times in the in in the previous season of Off the Chart. But, um, you know, we can't expect Micah to carry all the weight of of the trans community on his own. But I think that it's a it's a good start so far in what we've seen. It's it's refreshing. Yes. I also like that Micah has already transitioned with Matt. It was like we were watching him go through mm-hmm. the beginning of that journey where here, uh, like Micah has already transitioned. He's been a trans man for several years. So we're seeing his story at a much later part of his transition, which is really nice. Yeah, that's a good point. So what's going on with our lovable OGs? Bet Porter, played obviously by Jennifer Beals, who requires no introduction. Our favorite kick-ass lesbian. She's back. She's ready to run L.A., Um, But as per usual, she's got a few lady skeletons in her closet. Um, During a mayoral press conference, uh, Bet's called out for having a fling with a former employee and a married woman by her husband. Yikes. Not great. Um, So she appears on Alice's talk show to try to make it better. But Angelica, who's played by Jordan Hull, is rightfully mortified. Um, It's the first time we kind of get to see Bet grappling with her career and a teenage daughter. Um, I think this is kind of one of the best versions of Bet we've seen. Um, But aside from Bet, is Angelica the best OG character? And do you think she's queer? Yes, she is. And yes, I think so. Yeah, I think so, too. The the rainbow converse thing was a good... Was it like a little hint? Like the camera just stood on those shoes a little too long. Um, so I think that they're they are hinting that Angelica is definitely a queer character. I love Angelica. Talk to me about Alice. 
So Alice Piazeki, uh, played by Alicia Haley, is now dating a psychotherapist and mother of two, Nat Bailey, played by Stephanie Aylin. And we really get to see how Alice navigates a mature domestic partnership and everything that goes with that, whether it's uh, making breakfast for the kids or dealing with her partner's ex-wife, Gigi. Alice is also now a TV talk show host, which makes a lot of sense. Her network executives would prefer her to do segments that are like lighthearted and fun and superficial. Uh, but Alice wants to produce a show with more substance. So when her old pal, Bette Porter, gets caught up in a sex scandal during a press conference, uh, Alice offers Bette the opportunity to peer on her show to directly address the issue. Now, is Alice as selfish and awful as we remember her being near the end of the original series? Or has her maturity and time redeemed her character? Um... I think TBD. Uh, like, like <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, Alice, like, she clearly doesn't really like children that much. I think she's just sort of going along with it. But I don't think that we can write her off as selfish for not, like, loving the kids. I think she does love the kids. I think she just, like, doesn't, perhaps she's never dated somebody with children before and is yeah. just trying to figure out how to add that piece into a relationship. Yeah, but when, when you see how Shane dealt with children prior, I think that someone like Shane is a more, is a better sort of mother figure, believe it or not, than Alice. But we know that Shane is capable of doing that, as we saw in the original series when she took care of her younger brother, exactly. Shay. So, so what's going on with Shane McCutcheon? Shane McCutcheon, played by the lovable Kate Menig. Oh, Shane, um, she might be a millionaire with a private jet now, thanks to her so-called salon empire, but she's obviously not changed. Our favorite fuckboy is back in L.A., and we learn that she's married. What? Oh, really weird. <laughs> super weird. Except it's not going too well. Like all of her prior relationships, her wife is MIA. I think there's plenty more in store for Shane, uh, but at least we know she still drives a Jeep. Do you buy that Shane could have been married and committed at all? I mean, she almost got married yeah. to Carmen. That fell through. Before they even got married. It's true. <laughs> I mean, I think I need to know more about this backstory. Like, who is this wife? How long were they married? Uh, what was their like origin story? Mm -hmm. Like I could buy it if I knew a little bit more about the history. Yeah, I'd like to know. I, I think I'd like to see a bit more of Shane's backstory. Um, there's no convincing me that she's not a fuckboy. Uh, there's no convincing me that she was actually committed in this situation. We'll see. We'll see. So since the Generation Q reboot is new and our second season of Off the Chart is new, we thought it was also time to do a new quickie round. So it's time for the superlatives round. Woo. Each week we'll crown our favorite moments from the episode. It's like reading through your high school yearbook all over again, but maybe just a little queerer. Okay, I'd like to crown the most annoying cliffhanger this week, which... Spoiler, I know that we don't uh, get an answer to anytime soon. What is this personal reason that Bet is running for mayor? Alice knows. Bet's campaign manager knows. We don't know. No, we don't know yet. I will rage because I feel like they're setting up this personal reason for for uh, for her running is that Kit has relapsed and died. Um, I mean, that makes the most sense. Yeah. I mean, at the I noticed um, on rewatch that at the end of her like monologue, she was like, I'm a sister. And she sort of lingered on it. And I was like, shit, <laughs> shit, Kit is dead. <laughs> there will never be justice for Kit. We talked about this in the season finale of, of the first season of Off the Chart, how Kit kind of gets some justice when she ends up with Sunset Boulevard. I just wanted her to ride off in the sunset with yes, Sunset. Exactly. But 
maybe that hasn't happened. I will be so mad. I mean, we don't know yet. So we might be getting all up in arms for no reason. We know that Pam Greer is not on the cast list, though. She's so. not. Does that mean she's dead? I don't know. We'll find out. We will find out. <laughs> Honorable mention for best guest appearance will go to Fortune Feimster, who is Alice's kind of like hype man sidekick on her TV show. I love Fortune Feimster. She's so funny. I don't know if you've seen any of her stand up, but um, I love that they snuck her into the show. Um, I say best callback to the original series goes to Alice when she says to Shane over brunch. I can't believe you still want to f- my mom. Oh, Lenore. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Lenore like makes an actual appearance. I would love. I, you know what? I'm totally okay with Shane getting over her wife by sleeping with Lenore. <laughs> I'm here for that storyline. <laughs> That's it for this episode. Tune in next week when we talk episode two of Gen Q and why these people can't seem to keep it in their pants. They can't. I'm Michelle Turingen. And I'm Erica Lenti. Off the Chart Generation Q is produced by Michelle Turingen. Our executive producer is Rachel Giza. And our music is by Kid Coolit. If you like what you're hearing, please review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And feel free to get in touch with us on Twitter at Extra Magazine. Until next time. I can't believe you still want to f*** my mom.